so as I preach today, I will not just be preaching to you. I want to receive this myself. I need Jesus. But we started this series, and I can't avoid this. So we're going to talk today about sexual purity, which is the most popular thing in the world, I know. And, and, and every one of us. Listen, the person sitting in your seat and the person sitting in mine needs to repent. There's not one of us. As I talk, it might, because of the passion in my voice, I thought you might get the idea that I didn't need today's message. What a mistake that would have been. So, I'm a very heavy man. About to tell you about all my physical fitness tricks. And I'm going to do it with great passion. Because they're not my tricks. They're his word. It's not my ideas. They're God's ideas. And if we're going to be in the new family of God, we're going to have to be committed as a community to holiness. But here's the problem. The problem is, is that we've received with our mother's milk in every book, in every movie, in every magazine, in every newspaper, this idea that there is no truth that we need to submit to. That what that's called is moral relativism. Moral relative. In other words, yeah, your morality is relative to the situation and your particular uh, and your and you. So you've heard moral relativism, the philosophy of moral relativism in things like, do you, right? Just do you, or live your truth. Live your truth. Or the one that you heard in every Disney movie and in every, practically every movie, I, my kids get sick of me because I hear it all the time. I go, oh, please, don't do that. Whatever you do in life, don't do that. This is what happens in, at the end of every Disney movie. At the end of all the movies that you're taking your kids, they're, they're literally, they're, they're discipling them and you to be moral relativists. Here it is. You ready? Some of you are going to walk out after I say this. Here it is. You ready? Follow your heart. I don't know a worse suggestion. I don't know a worse thing that I would suggest to you. I can't think of it. Follow your heart. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. That sounds, doesn't that sound sweet? And some of you, that's like been the... <laughs> some of us... Okay, can we get, can we talk? Some of us, 
have taken that philosophy and we've wound up in a 12-step program as a direct result of it. We followed our heart. Nothing else I want more. Give me one more. Led us to jail and detox and led us to all sorts of madness. Follow your heart. You know why follow your heart is so... Oh, oh by the way, here's, a, here's the caveat to follow your heart. I have to... I have to uh, Fix it, because there's young people here, and y'all don't believe me. You think that, uh, you know, you think I'm being offensive right now. And I, I promise you more people will leave before the sermon is, is up. But I, and I hope, I hope, that's why I started the sermon the way I did. I hope you can hear my heart. I'm trying to share this with you in humility as a fellow struggler. Follow your heart. Wait, 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 wait. As long as you don't hurt nobody. Follow your heart. It's amazing. I think like six people had to go to the bathroom after I, I said the follow your heart thing. I just counted them in my head. That's a lot of people. Let's see how we do. Follow your heart unless you hurt, like, don't hurt nobody. As long as you don't hurt nobody. Now, here's the problem with that. The problem with following your heart is that we would have to know the difference between good and bad to be able to follow our heart rightly. We would have to know the difference between right and wrong in order to follow our heart rightly. We would have to know the difference between good and evil in order to follow our heart. Here's the problem. We don't. In this world of moral relativism, in our society of moral relativism, whatever is good is what is good for you. Now, here's the thing. There are some things that you enjoy that you think are good. They're not. So let's take something silly, right? Something like ice cream. It's good, but it's not good for you in large amounts, right? Like, I mean, you know, if you have like a scoop of ice cream every now and again, I can't imagine, it's too terrible. But you know that it's not good for you. Well, why is it not good for you? Well, because of health reasons and gaining weight and like reasons that uh, personal trainers and things like that could tell you that I can't. But that's something that you would define as good. It's a pleasure. I'm not hurting anybody. It's, I enjoy it. Hey, listen, I just need a little uh, relaxation. And getting out the old Ben and Jerry's, cracking it open, sitting down and taking a, a couple of scoops or maybe a couple of pints, depending on your flavor. This is good. But it's not good. Not that day it's not good. That day, it's a joy. And if you're 22, it's no big deal. But if you fast forward to 52, you've just done something that has harmed you in ways that might be irreparable. Does this make sense? Okay, let's get more serious. We're talking about sexual purity. And of course, it feels good in the moment. There's nothing wrong with it. It's too consenting. Consent has to be there, of course. 
two consenting adults. We are connecting. We're expressing our love. What could be wrong with that? And in, like the ice cream, some of the harm that you receive is not always immediately apparent. Those of you who are in 12-step programs know that the first beer you ever had did not send you uh, to a hospital. But boy, it put you on a road somewhere, didn't it? You see, there are trajectories. And so what would you say? This, this, this thing that's so beautiful, this thing we're going to call sex, what would you say if you were God, right? So this thing that, and, and sex is powerful. Matter of fact, our society has convinced us that sex is only physical. But the fact is, sex is soulish. You, you connect, connect your soul to someone else. You don't believe me? Think about this. Have you ever had a friend who's like your best friend? And, and, and some of you are old enough not to be able to like have email in your life and you remember when email wasn't a thing and all that other stuff. But can you remember having a best friend and that best friend moved to another state or moved to another place and you weren't around them? That made you sad, did it not? And you were like, man... That's so bad. I, I, I feel so sad. But have you ever lost someone that you were having sexual relationship that you loved? Do that up and leave? Has anybody here ever planned a murder because of someone who had, who had hurt you sexually? Has anybody here ever planned a suicide over someone who has... Because sex is powerful. Sex is powerful. Now... If you were God, let's use our imagination, and you loved you the way God loves you, what would be your suggestion to you? Would it be, be safe? Would it be, would it be just with those you love? It wouldn't be that. You would say, listen, this is something so potent, so powerful, so beautiful, so extraordinary that we're going to save it for marriage. Save it within the context of commitment, like permanent commitment. Not just like, I like you, you like me, we're committed to each other, you know, I'll wear your varsity jacket. But like, till death do we part commitment. You could, but it goes deeper than that, doesn't it? Because not only are we talking about sex, but we're talking about sexuality. And again, remember what I said about being, um, following your heart? That that would be fine if we actually knew between right and wrong, good and evil. But we don't. Like, for instance, right now, if my youngest son came up to me, he's nine years old, he's beautiful, and if he came up to me and he said, Papi, 
feel like I want to shoot up heroin. There's not one person here who's in their right mind who would say that that's okay, that we need to explore that, that we need to give him room to be able to um, uh, test the waters with that. There's not, if you're here and you're in, and you're in your right mind, everyone here would say, no, this is a bad idea, don't do that. Trust me. And some of us would go, oh, let me tell you a 22-year story. How, that, how your story is beginning, and let me tell you how it ends. Okay. But if that same beautiful son came up to me right now and said, Pa, I feel like I'm a girl. Some of you would be like, well, Why? Because as a culture, we don't know what's right and wrong. Some of you just got really mad at me right now. I'm trying to tell you that as a, the new family of God, we've got to come back to a source that, discover, that we need to rediscover, a source of truth. Because it's given by the God who loves us more than you can ever know. And this God who loves us more than you could ever know says, I have a plan for you. But you can't continue in your own way. In fact, we think that it's important for us to discover and, and shine and live in whatever it is we feel. And that if anybody tries to stop us, if I'm heterosexual, then I should be able to sleep with as many women as I like. And if I'm not heterosexual, and then I can, and I'm a homosexual, I can sleep with as many men as I like. Because that is, listen, listen, I'm just expressing who I truly am. There was John Mark Comer, a pastor in Portland, said this, in a previous era, it was thought fitting to never deny God. In our era, it is thought fitting to never deny yourself. It's just, if you want to do it, it's licensed to do it. If you feel, now this is really near and dear to my heart because as I was growing up for most of my young adult, uh, childhood growing up and young adult, I felt same-sex attracted or gay if that makes you feel more comfortable. That's, that's the way I felt and that's the way I lived and I, I literally, I, don't, I, can't, I don't have the time to tell you the story but I, I, I grew up in a Puerto Rican household and I came out of the closet with my brother and jumped right back in. Like, immediately. I was just kidding. What are you talking about? What? Oh, you took me seriously? Like, it was one of those moments. Because of his reaction to me. So I understand what it's like to walk around with urges and desires and longings that you cannot satisfy. But that you identify as your own. And with that in mind, God gives us a word for those of us who are confused. For those of us who think it's okay. No, but she's a Christian and I'm a Christian. No, but he's, he loves Jesus and I love Jesus. Yeah, 
Listen to me. We want to walk in holiness. Holiness means, if, if it means anything, it means to be set apart. That's why in the Old Testament when it says that like um, the, the, the pot or the, the vase is holy, it doesn't mean that they're like living, you know, not smoking or drinking or anything like that, right? It means that those pots and those vases have been set apart, set aside. For what? For the use of God. Now, if you're here, and you're a, especially if you're a parent of young kids, everything I just told you is absolutely opposite of what you've heard this society. And maybe you've been so well discipled in the doctrines and the culture of this world that you're just going to be like, yeah, my kid comes home and he says that he's a different gender. Then I'm just going to celebrate that and try to help him with that. And I just would, let's, let's walk together. Let's, let's go this or maybe you're an adult and you're like, but I love her, but I love him. I'm going to be speaking to you too. And then I'm going to be speaking to y'all who are like, yeah, this, this one's not for me. I already did all my sin back there. I'm older and I'm like committed in, in a marriage and all that other stuff. And this is still for you because of the brokenness that you carry with you. It's a big deal. So let's look at what God has to say. Would you stand with me at the reading of God's word? The reason that we stand is because we want to remind our bodies that we give honor to God and his word. So what we're going to read is a discussion going back and forth. One with Paul, the apostle, who's uh, sent by Jesus in order to uh, minister the gospel of Jesus Christ everywhere he goes. And then one of his communities that he set up, it's in, it's in Corinth. And there's this beautiful argument that we can identify with, and we'll see where it takes us. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything, you say. Food for the stomach and stomach for food, but God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body. For, he, for it is said, the two will become one flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality. Let's say that together. One, two, three. Flee from sexual immorality. Pause. Everywhere else in the Bible when it talks about sin, it says stand. Fight, persevere when it comes to sexual immorality. Book it. <laughs> Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. 
But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. This is God's word. Please have a seat. So let's quickly, because we have very little time, I want us to look at this uh, text in a sort of a 30,000 foot view. If you have a bulletin, inside your bulletin, there's this thing that we call a sermon map. You have the scriptures, you have the points that I'm going to make today, you have everything that you need in order to follow along. If you would just take that out, and if you need, does anybody here need a pencil to write? Because we're going to ask you to write things down. It'll be better for you to remember. Go ahead and raise your hand nice and high, and we'll have um, the hosts come by. And so we have two on this side. Okay, none on that side. Okay, great. All right. So let's look at three insights that we get from this text. Let's look at number one. Number one, the body is not meant for sexual immorality. The body is not meant for sexual immorality. What is sexual immorality? It's anything outside of anything outside of one man with one woman in holy matrimony, which should upset everybody in our society. Heterosexual, homosexual, whatever you want to call yourself. It should upset everybody. This is so against our cultural grain. The body is not meant for sexual immorality. It's not what your body was meant for. It gets real complicated today because, of course, we have so many men, we have, well, and women too, we have so many visual options that are, for, that are available to us immediately. But when you're connecting your imagination to those images, when I connect my mind to those images, when I sin, when I, listen, listen, I told you, I'm the most broken person here. I'm a fornicator, an adulterer, I'm a, anything that you could call a sexual deviant, that is what I am. But there's a greater identity that I have been given. It's an identity that is found in Jesus. And Jesus is saying, if I bestow this identity in you, I want you to live out of the overflow of that identity, not in the memory of your old identity. Our bodies are not meant for sexual immorality. See here how it says, um, it has this in verse 12, it says this, I have the right to do anything. So what Paul is doing is he's coming up with phrases that they come up with, hefrans, um, sayings. Um, he comes up with the phrases that, that are in their culture that they believe, that they don't even question anymore. Just like when I just said, follow your heart, and how some of you were like, whoa, that's wrong? I'm, I, I've been trying to live that my whole life. Yeah, 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 that's real wrong. That's real wrong. Like, whatever you do, don't give that uh, suggestion to a 16-year-old kid. Oh, it'll end so badly. And don't give it to a 26-year-old person either. Like, it, it just doesn't end well. Listen, 
He's coming up with, and here's what they're saying. You know, it's like, follow your heart. As long as you don't hurt nobody. Uh, well, we're consenting adults. This is one of their sayings. I have the right to do anything. Okay. But not everything. I have the right. Right now, I have the right to eat anything I want. Everybody agree? I think I do. Anything I want, I can eat. But Paul's argument is this. But not everything is beneficial for you. Does that make sense? In other words, okay, you have the right uh, uh, to do what you want with your body, but is it beneficial for you? Is it, like, like, there's a limits test. There's a, there's a, a scale. We, we look to God's word and we go, this doesn't end in benefit. This ends in heartache. There's another saying. I have the right to do anything. But Paul's response is, don't be mastered by anything. Like, if you're going to have a master, make it Jesus. Or, here's another of their saying. Hey, food for the stomach and stomach for food, but God will destroy them all. Or God will destroy them both. Yeah, but your, your body is a gift from God. And it's not meant to be tossed around to anyone. Can I just talk to you? Can we just talk for a second? The reason that this is so urgent to me is not only because of my own brokenness, but I've seen your brokenness too. Not only because of my own sin, but I've seen your sin too. There's a way that when we start sleeping with multiple people, how we lose the ability to connect with others. If you don't believe me, don't raise your hand. But if you've had like multiple lovers, just th- don't raise your hand. If you've had multiple lovers, right? I want you to just go, okay, yes, I've had multiple lovers. Okay, great. If you think of the first person that you were ever with, I promise that you can tell what, they're, what they were wearing, what their name was, what color was their jeans. I bet you know. You know where it was. You remember remember the music playing on the radio. You remember everything. Now try to think about that with the ninth person you were with. Was it Jose? Was it Julian? What was her name? Was it Susie? Was it Sandra? You know why? You broke something. Good news. I want you to feel this. Jesus heals what you have broken. But I just want us to agree. Let's agree that our body is not meant for sexual immorality. Number two, Jesus resurrected in bodily form, and we will too. That's good news. In other words, because Jesus is raised from the dead, this body will go on. We'll get a new body. And we want to treat our present body as we would our new body. It's almost like, um, you know, like kids, you don't want to train them to eat uh, uh, sweets when they're real young, right? 
Because even though they're going to lose those teeth, they're going to get permanent ones. And the way they treated those baby teeth is exactly the way they're going to treat their permanent teeth. So that's, that's what we want to start practicing now. Because Jesus is resurrected, we get resurrected too. And so we should start treating our bodies this way. Third, sexual immorality is not play for adults. Okay, so I'm just going to try to say this as plainly as I can. Sex is not for the skinny, and sex is not for the heavy. Sex is not for the beautiful, and sex is not for the ugly. Sex is not for the childless, or sex is not for the one with child. Sex is not for the adult, and sex is not for the kid. Sex is not for the experienced, and sex is not for the inexperienced. Sex is for married people only. Okay. So, let's just keep on going. What do you say? All right. I know, I know. Listen, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. We need this. Some of us are in this. Listen, I can't tell you how many people come to this service just to hook up with someone else. I can't tell you how many people just use this service. To, and it's, it's terrible because we have, we have broken men and broken women coming to our service and who just want a little bit of affection. And could this place be a place that's not predatory? Could this place be a place that doesn't, that extends the love of Jesus, not the lust of Edwin? How can we honor God with our body in an environment of sin? Okay, let me give you three suggestions. Okay. Now, this is how we're going to try to apply this in our lives. You got it? Okay. Number one, gather every chance you get. Every chance we get, we need to gather. As the church, that means you need to, in your mind, in your heart, you need to say this. I am not, no matter what, going to miss a church service. I'm not trying to uh, impose legalism on you. I'm just saying, remember what I said at the beginning of the service, that we're not attending a service. God is constructing a soul. It's by gathering together and being reminded about this. If you would have missed this, I don't know, like if you would have missed this message, like what, what kind of harm would you have walked into later on, a year from now, two years from now? I don't know. Tonight. Good night. I don't know. I don't know. But I know that when we gather together, we're reminded that God is sovereign, that he's good, that he is the one who will. And he's the one who will. Gather every chance. Just make that decision in your head. I'm going to, there's, listen to me. For those of you who are, like, especially after COVID, you started coming once or twice a month. Can I just plead with you? Just, so if you're going to the gym once a week, I love that. That's a good step in the right direction. You do realize that there's, 
probably a little bit more exercise that you're going to have to do if you're going to have a, a, a healthy lifestyle. If you come to a service once or twice a month, or it's a hit or miss, or you feel like it and you don't feel like it, can I just plead with you? Plead with you, please. It's a slow, listen, growing in Christ is like a crock pot, not like a microwave. You gotta sit, we gotta stay together. We gotta, listen, there are gonna be times when I upset you and there are gonna be times when you upset me, gonna, but we gotta learn and grow together. Don't miss a service, keep coming back. Okay, secondly, Make scripture your priority. If we're going to honor God with our body in an environment of sin, we're going to make scripture a priority. Here's how we're going to make scripture a priority. You ready? We're going to do three things. Number one, we're going to and write these down. We're going to read scripture every day. We're going to meditate on what the Lord gives us, and we're going to memorize it systematically. Let's just talk briefly. Okay, you need to be able to have a way that you read your Bible, expose yourself to the scriptures, Every day. Every day. Get to the scriptures every day. Listen, here's a good, here's a good um, saying that you can walk with, okay? You ready? No Bible, no breakfast. Okay? No Bible, no breakfast. In other words, make the Bible a greater priority than your next meal. Read your scripture every day. If you don't know where to start, there's a great uh, app. It's called uh, the YouVersion app where it gives you all sorts of things. There's another app. What's the app that we love, Liz? Read scripture. Read scripture is a great app for you to get into God's word. Secondly, meditate on God's word. Meditate much like what we did today. I'm not, I'm not giving you something that we haven't done. We've already done. And do it. And you can do it in breakfast time. You can do it in lunch break. You can do it just before bed. You could do it uh, when you get in your car. You could do it on the train as you come home. You could do it in the library. You could meditate anywhere. Meditate on God's word. Keep on focus. That is go over, ruminate. Take one word or a few words. The phrase that God has given me to just go over is this one. It's I breathe in this. Lord Jesus have mercy. No, no, no. Um, it's Lord Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me, a sinner. That's the one that's been going off in my head. I just need, to, I just need God's word in me and I need to meditate on it and let God surprise me with his beauty in his word. Thirdly, Memorize it systematically. Just start memorizing scripture, all right? Just start memorizing systematically. If there's something that pops up at you, just write it down, put it on your notes on your phone, do whatever, but go over it. Go over it, go over it until you've memorized it so that when temptation comes, it can defend you. Does that make sense, right? Remember last week how I talked about how the scriptures talk about not um, co-signing for someone else? You think that when someone asks me to co-sign for something, do you think that that does not pop up in my heart? Of course it does. Because, okay, so memorize scripture, you get the idea. Okay, and then here's something that you might not see coming, but I think it's important because it's, we're talking about developing some spiritual muscles in order to um, uh, resist uh, temptation. Fast from food. And then right next to it, say, regularly. Fast 
from food regularly. Okay, so let me give you, uh, le let me tell you, it wasn't until recent, it wasn't until recently in our history that Christians decided that fasting is not a, um, a part of their spiritual formation. It is. In fact, for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, Christians would fast. They would fast on, uh, when was it? Uh, Wednesday and Friday, two days out of the week. Every week, they would fast. Why? Because they're, they're beating their body into submission. They're saying, because right, sexual urges come and they're overwhelming, but if you start exercising by fasting and focusing and meditating on God's word, what you're going to discover is that you're going to have more spiritual muscle to be able to say no to the things of this world that tempt you. So fasting from food regularly. So my day is Monday. And it, well, actually, it's Sunday. Yeah, it's Monday. I go from Sunday night to, from the last meal on, on Sunday. Then I do all of Monday, and then I have my first meal when I wake up on Tuesday. That's for me. What's yours? You go, I can't do that. I'm, I, I'm on medication. Great. Pick a meal. Uh, I'm not going to eat lunch. Oh, okay. I'm not going to eat breakfast. Oh, all right. Well, if you never eat breakfast anyway, that's not a fast. That's just called normal life. <laughs> do you understand? Because the point of fasting is these three things. One is we're going to starve the flesh to feed the spirit. Make sense? Right? You've heard this uh, illustration before. You have uh, two big dogs in your backyard that fight all the time. They're the same size, the same breed, the same make. They're the same dog, identical. And they're going to fight. Which one wins? The one that you feed the most. So it is. Are you going to feed your spirit or feed your flesh? Starve the flesh, feed the spirit. Kill that dog. B. Fasting, fasting amplifies our prayers. Fasting amplifies our prayers. I think I put, no, clarify, uh, in my notes I put amplifies, but and then I changed it for the screen. Clarifies our prayers or amplifies our prayers. What I mean by that is that you will, <laughs> there's a clarity that happens when you're fasting in prayer that you simply do not have when you're just feeding yourself and doing whatever you want and satisfying yourself, when you're like, when you're like on hour number 20 and, you know, anything will do, right? You know, all of a sudden, your prayers get very focused. Okay, God, this is really what I, I need to talk to you about. It's a very beautiful thing. Now, what, what that means is that when you fast, here's what you can do. Listen, the time that it takes you to cook the food, prep the food, eat the food, clean the dishes, uh, buy the food, you know, order it on Uber uh, Eats, whatever it is. The time that it takes you to do all that stuff, you're going to spend time in God's word and in prayer. Right? So it, it clarifies, it amplifies our prayer. So we starve the flesh, we're going to feed the spirit, and then see, we're going to, it helps us to stand in solidarity with the poor. It helps us to stand with the poor. Here's what I mean. When you and I don't eat, we're reminded that there are people in this world that go without. You know what that does? It gets us outside of ourselves and onto what God is focused on. The poor, the broken, the marginalized. It's an incredible gift. 